We therefore unanimously recommend that the sentence of death should be imposed. Greetings, everyone. The following is the recording of my speech before the Texas House of Representatives. Uh, it was a great honor to be able to, and just surreal to be able to go to Austin and speak before the Texas legislator. Um, the topic at hand was about the death penalty, but I always want, you know, want to make sure that I highlight those who aren't serving a death sentence because there's a lot of people that were just thrown away who are serving life sentences and 99 years and et cetera. Uh, I didn't take no notes or nothing, right? I was, <laughs> I was nervous to say the least, right? But it was, I mean, it was an amazing experience because um, before that, it was just like a year and a half prior, I was sitting on Texas death row and, and there I was testifying before um, the House of Representatives in the state of Texas. You know, uh, I've thought about doing things like that, but I never imagined that it would actually come true. And so I, I let the speech speak for itself. Thank you for tuning in. Chair will call Clinton Young. Clinton, thank you for being here. Just sir. And I, uh, state your name, whom you represent, and that you're testifying on uh, uh, on the matter today. Okay, first I want to thank uh, Chairman Moody and the committee members for this opportunity. My name is Clinton Young. I represent myself. I guess the gist of what I'm testifying about is um, the problems that plague the death penalty and our appeal system in Texas. Um, the story is kind of a unique one. I was 18, I was arrested for capital murder. When I was 19, I was sentenced to death. In October 26, 2017, I received an execution date. The fact that I'm standing here before y'all clearly shows that things weren't routine as usual in the state of Texas. Um, in 2021, my conviction was overturned and I um, was eventually released, and here I am today. Clinton, let me do this. I know that, have you testified in the committee before? <laughs> Somebody, if you can come a little bit closer. Oh, I think your story is very important yeah. for people to hear and I wanna make sure they're able to do that. So it's not just for the folks that are in the room, but it's being recorded. And so if you speak clearly into the microphone, I wanna make sure oh, yes, people sir. hear your story. Um, a lot of problems that play my case isn't unique to my case. I was just blessed to get good attorneys towards the end that fought for me and had the same funding as the state did basically. Uh, in fact, I was the first person in Texas to have the capital habeas unit on his case out of Los Angeles, California. And eventually the Fifth Circuit instituted those and then the Texas legislator introduced the uh, Texas capital habeas unit um, office, excuse me. On my appeals, my state rate of habeas corpus, which everybody knows as a lawyer knows, is one of the most important appeals, especially for a death penalty offense. Well, unfortunately, my investigator and mitigation specialist that was appointed to me had a drug habit and the money that was given to her to investigate my case was used to buy crack cocaine. And so she falsified a bunch of affidavits and basically I had no state rid. It was built on a crackhead's delusions. Um, instead of the CCA giving me another opportunity to file a writ of habeas corpus, um, 
you know, the prosecutors opposed anything like that. He refused to prosecute Lisa Milstein, the person that they was appointed to me. Um, and so when I, my lawyers filed a new writ, because again, <laughs> my original writ was nothing but the delusional statements, forged statements of a crackhead. Um, the Court of Criminal Appeals decided that it was abuse of writ. And so I went into federal court with no writ of habeas corpus, which then when I entered federal court, because the way the laws are, I was then procedurally barred from filing anything that would approve my innocence or prosecutor misconduct or ineffective assistance of counsel. And to add insult to injury, the money that that investigator used to buy a crack, the court put on me to garnish my commissary account. And so I ended up having to pay for uh, <laughs> the harm that was done to my case. Um, years later, after attorneys digging and finding new evidence, um, after I eventually went through the appeal process, I was given my execution date. We filed a last minute writ of habeas corpus. And based on the development of forensic testing, um, the legislator had made some changes to the law while I was down there, involving 11071, 11073.3. Did uh, kind of open the door a little bit, but it still left a lot of discretion for the CCA. Um, basically, additional forensic testing was allowed to be done, and it pointed to my co-defendant, all of it. And while I was sitting on death row waiting to be executed, the prosecutors bench warranted my co-defendant back to the county jail. He partially confessed. I didn't find out this confession until I got a stay of execution. The confession would have guaranteed me a stay, but they withheld it. And so as I waited on my hearing after I received a stay of execution, it was discovered in Midland County that <laughs> the prosecutor that had took a primary role in my case was getting paid by the judge. And so he would literally do the work as a prosecutor, get paid as a prosecutor, go in there, write up everything for the judge to say, and then the judge will pay him. This incident kind of made headlines around the world, front page USA Today, and it proved to be too much. And so um, eventually after they sorted out new prosecutors and judges getting on the case, the Court of Criminal Appeals overturned my conviction. Um, and here I am today. Um, I would like to say that, you know, <laughs> While my case has a lot of the more extreme elements, you know, the problems that plagued it, the problems that plaguing the appeal system in the state of Texas aren't rare. I mean, there's people who, you take the Rodney Reed case, which is well known, I'm sure some of y'all know about it. Um, then there's the Robert Pruitt case, who was executed. You had the Todd Willingham case, on and on and on. There's a lot of cases that don't get the publicity, like I got, or Rodney Reed, and a few others have, be it because of their mental illness, their intellectual disability, they can't adequately convey the problems with their case, or just <laughs> they get stuck with lawyers that don't care about them like mine ended up caring about me. Um, the law has been created in such a way, which I, I understand, I get it, that nobody wants guilty people to game the system and get released. I understand that, okay? I'm not against police, I'm not against prosecutors, I'm not against the penitentiary. But the problem comes in is how the laws have gone so extreme, they trap people. I mean, it's almost the bar is set so high. Like I said, I had no state writ of habeas corpus. It was <laughs> nobody disputed what happened in my case with my investigator. And 
that my whole writ was destroyed and there was other viable claims that could have been raised. And when I tried to raise them, they said it was abusive writ. And so I sat on death row for 18 and a half years. And um, it wasn't because my lawyers possessed some magical ability to like delay everything because we're, we're bound by strict guidelines. So this idea that people languish on death row for 25, 30 years, that it's somehow the defendant's fault. It's not. We don't have, we don't have the power to do anything. Um, and so I guess to wrap it up is say that um, there has to be some way to find a common medium to where people aren't being trapped by the system you know, um, and facing wrongful execution, or not only that, wrongful imprisonment. Death penalty cases tend to get the most publicity um, because it's the government attempting to take a citizen's life. But there's countless people still in the penitentiary who have life sentences, 60 years, 80 years, 99 years. And the fortunate thing about death row is we're guaranteed an attorney. If you have a life sentence, you're not guaranteed an attorney. And so you're stuck to file things pro se. Well, fortunately, I've been in prison most of my life. I'm here to tell you that uh, it's not full of scholars. I mean, it's not full of, <laughs> I mean, that's just the reality. I'd be like, dang, boy, I thought that was a good idea. <laughs> but it's just, and so you have bare minimum in a law library, and you're asked to turn around and file writs or direct appeals and everything on your own. And if you don't do it right, you're procedurally barred. And then based on the AEDPA, which is, of course, on the federal level, if you're, <laughs> if you're procedurally barred in state court, it's a wrap when you go into federal court. And there's been countless federal judges who said, hey, I'd like to be able to do this, but I can't. There's been district court judges who say, I'd like to be able to do this, but I can't. And so, um, and so that, I guess, uh, I check some balance, I guess, on the Court of Criminal Appeals because they interpret everything y'all say to the most extreme level, you know. And um, it's to the detriment of people who have lost their liberty and very well might lose their life. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Young. I appreciate that. Members, real, real quick before, did you have any questions? Chairman Leach. Uh, thank, thank you, Mr. Young. Just very briefly, I, and I hope you'll, uh, when we have some death penalty bills in front of this committee, which I'm sure we will, I hope you'll come back and let let us ask you more questions about the details of your, uh, your case and your... Uh, your time in, uh, on, on death row. You were in for 18 and a half years, is that correct? Yes, sir. 23 and a half hours a day in solitary confinement? Yes, sir. And um, you were within eight days of your execution date? Yes, sir. And, um, okay. Um, we, we hear about cases like yours and Melissa Lucio um, as recently as this past summer and Jeff Wood and there are others mentioned Rodney Reed and Willingham and members I just want to encourage you to uh, for, just from my, my experience as someone who is a death penalty supporter in the most heinous cases it is it is um, good and right and necessary for us to question the system and for us to um, ask hard questions and to understand where the holes are that need filling and where the weaknesses are that need strengthening I am, am <coughs> severely and increasingly uh, concerned about the way we, no pun intended, execute the death penalty in Texas. And um, we're going to 
we're going to ask the tough questions in this committee under your leadership, uh, Mr. Chairman. Um, I, when we do so, we, we, we don't weaken the system, we strengthen the system. And uh, so I, I want to thank you for being here today and look forward to getting to know you and learning more about your case yes, in the days ahead. Thank you. Members, do we have any other questions for Mr. Yes, Representative Bauer? Thank you, uh, Chair Moody, and thank you, Chairman Leach, if I might say, um, and Mr. Young. It's more of a statement as well. I'm serving on the Speaker's Select Committee in the summer for on criminal justice reform with others on this committee. Um, it was an honor to serve under Chairman Leach at the time. As he said, he is a supporter of the death penalty. But you could see the bipartisan work that we did, and I am thankful for your stay. Um, we worked so hard to make sure that Melissa Lucio received her stay of execution. And I, that the fact that now you are using your life in testimony um, of you know, no matter what you did, you are now here on behalf of others. So thank you for making such a good example of your life. And thank you, Chairman Moody, for allowing me a moment to say. Absolutely. Thank you. Members, do we have any other questions? Mr. Young, let me ask you, I know that we, um, we've got your contact information. If you don't mind, I assume that we're going to hear from you again. I want to share your information with uh, the members of the committee, if that's okay, if they have questions right. to follow up on. Uh, so they can get a little bit deeper and understand what yes, happened sir. in your case. Uh, it won't be the only one that they hear about, but it's something I think would be important for them to dig into. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Yes, sir.